Ladies and gentlemen, gather round, gather round. Prepare to be mystified, dazzled, and utterly enchanted as we unveil the most extraordinary feat of marketing mystery that the world has ever witnessed. Behold, CMO Convo. And the big marketing mystery we're exploring today is its relations with operations. This increasingly vital aspect of business can be often misunderstood by outsiders, which is why we're joined by Joe Aurelian Jr., SVP of Operations at Cyware, as we dig into everything operations experts want CMOs to know to ensure success. Hi, Joe. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Will. Thank you very much for having me here. Happy to be here. Well, I'm, I'm really happy you're here because you're not a CMO. You're an operations expert, and that is incredibly important for a CMO to be working with effectively at the moment. So very much looking forward to this conversation and getting your insights on yeah, what, what the CMOs need to be doing to really like foster an effective relationship in the, in the world of operations. But before we dig into that, Joe, uh, could you introduce yourself to the audience, tell us a bit about your background and why you thought this topic was really important to talk about today? Absolutely. Uh, you know, where I am today, I am a uh, SVP of operations at a cybersecurity company called Cyware, uh, essentially responsible for initially building up a lot of those teams here and kind of seeing them scale and grow and, you know, operationalize the internals of a company. Uh, and for me, I like to focus on that, that people aspect and that collaboration. And I see where you look at, you know, the work uh, that CMOs do and the work that operations leaders and RevOps leaders do. It's It really comes down to working well together. And I'd love to explore that topic more. For sure, for sure. So let's, uh, this is going to sound very, very like kindergarten, elementary, but we're going to start by defining what we actually mean by operations. Like I'm sure most of our audience are familiar with operations or they've at least got worked in a company that's had operations wings. Um, they've probably got people they work with in their own companies now who fulfill operations functions. But from my perspective, it feels like it's a bit of a buzzword these days, Joe. I feel like everything's got an, an ops attached to it. So let, let's work out what we actually define the operations as for the context of this conversation. Absolutely. And I, I entirely agree. To me, I uh, like to be a little comical. I say operations is like the kitchen sink of a company. Everyone <laughs> has one, but they all look different. Um, operations is whatever a company needs at that point in time. Sometimes it can purely be, uh, let's keep the house in order. Let's prevent no fires. Other times it could be building and scaling. Other times it could be, hey, any problem we have that doesn't have a home, you own it. So we're, we're the flexible organization that kind of works with all the other teams to collaborate. Uh, in the context of this conversation, specifically for CMOs, we're probably talking more about what would be coined the, the revenue operations leader, those responsible for uh, the conversation between revenue stakeholders and working closely together uh, to streamline you know, the end result, which is acquiring the customer and making them incredibly happy over and over again. Well, the, big, the big focus is on efficiencies then. Is that is that what we're talking about today, really? Absolutely. You know, removing the uh, the roadblocks in the conversation, trying to streamline things, trying to find the hidden conversation and, you know, sort of uh, simplify the handoffs between teams. So things at the end of the day add up to be faster and cleaner from the external view, which is the, the client. So I imagine tech's a big part of that, but there any, is there other things like in terms of personnel, structures, frameworks that operations need to be in charge of? You know, technology is certainly the basis. Everyone goes out, they buy their stack, they see what they're going to do. You have your CRM, your marketing tools, all of your lead gen tools, and that's that's great. Um, but the technology by itself doesn't make your company sing. You know, how did you wire the technology together? What's the pipes and plumbing that communicate between all your different applications? Uh, what is the process that you're going to use to put data in, to get data out, to report? Um, what is your definition of data, right? You know, it's great to have all these tools. You can spend a ton of money on it, roll them out. But is every single team talking that same language? 
when I say this metric, does every team understand the same thing all the way from sales to CS to finance to your board? Uh, it's really more about implementing that that process and communication on top of that technology. That I think it's really the uh, the special sauce. So we, we often talk about on the show about marketing being sort of cross-functional, how has to interact with all these different departments. But it sounds to me operations is the true cross-functional department within a, a business because you have to have a very, very in-depth understanding of all these different aspects of the business. It, it is, certainly. I, I like to consider operations sort of the, the glue between departments, right? We, we try to be everyone's friend. We work with everyone. We have conversations everywhere. And we take bits and pieces of different conversations and try to understand where they should go. So maybe marketing is talking about apples and finance is talking about bananas. We realize both of them just want to go out and eat a cheeseburger. So we help to, <laughs> we help to translate and, and make friends to everybody to, at the end of the day, do what everyone wants, which is accomplish the mission, right? We just have the time or our remit is to essentially understand those hidden conversations and try to smooth them out. And I think one of the biggest challenges that are facing um, CMOs and particular marketing departments as a whole is sort of that that communication between the departments, that kind of misunderstanding. As you said, like marketing wants an apple, sales wants a banana, and it's that kind of meeting in the middle, finding a way to find out what they really want is going to be incredibly important important for that that ultimate goal, which is that sales and marketing alignment. Absolutely. I mean, I think no one disagrees. We have the same goal, right? There's an AR goal at the end of the day. There is a metrical performance goal. We all want to get there, but everyone has their own specialty, right? Sales wants to sell. CS wants to make people happy. Marketing wants to have great lead gen. Um, But when you remove the singular view of what makes them happy specifically and work on how to make them all happier together and how to have so that that music sing between the different departments. I think that's where you really see the kind of like stepping up of function and stepping up of ability uh, because you're just working better together. Definitely, definitely. I can, I can imagine it's incredibly important for yeah, scaling departments as well, like by, by ramping things up when necessary. Like you, you'll know the different Hogs and levers to turn to really move things in the right direction. You can tell them, I and you know, everyone has conversations, repetitive meetings, those kind of things. And there, there are meetings where you just meet to meet, you know, you're just meeting between different teams. But if you're aligned and you have common goals, you have a kind of a, a, a mission you're heading towards, then you're all working towards that same thing. You're all trying to chip away from it. And the more you help each other, honestly, the less work each team has to do because you're leaning on each other and the better the end result. Definitely, definitely. So, Joe, when we were talking about um, sort of the premise for this episode, um, the angle that we were, we decided to go with is sort of the, the five lessons that ops experts wish their CMO knew, which I think is going to be a very, very interesting thing to get into. So um, before we do sort of go into those lessons, like let's maybe take a step back and think about what are the challenges facing operations in order to actually work effectively with marketers, effectively with CMOs. Let's talk about the challenges and then, then we can break down those lessons in terms of how they're going to solve those challenges? You know, for me, I think sometimes operations can be viewed as sort of that that blocker department, right? We kind of get put in the same bucket as, let's say, legal and contracts, um, because we're we're there and when we enter the conversation, sometimes we we pause the conversation. We create a, a period of time where maybe it feels like no action is being done. And the reality is, as we get to expose, you know, what is happening, there, there are things that we're required to do to make the business continue on the inside. So maybe we have compliance checks, we have know your customer checks, we have security checks, we have, you know, background, we have documentation, we have planning, we have other projects in different departments, maybe something in product or engineering is going to affect your marketing project that you're not aware of yet. So we have to do all this kind of checks and balance and kind of understand all these different pieces. And that takes time. So I think as we 
enable and inform the different departments about what we're doing and why we're doing it, that helps them understand, maybe you should let us know sooner. Maybe we should have a conversation beforehand, or maybe we should be a part of the conversation in different ways. So we all get to the end result, you know, in a, in a fashion that minimizes hiccups. And the, the, this approach is more than, I mean, obviously project management is a part of operations, but it's more than just running a, running a project. It is a whole holistic view of the business and where resources need to be allocated at the right time. It is. I mean, every single team has their own mandate and they do their own things, but you kind of need that wrapper process, kind of go back to the technology, kind of sit above all the different teams. And uh, there's no hierarchy in terms of, let's say, um, you know, power responsibility. It's more of just function. Your function is to understand what's missing and to put the pieces in the right buckets team-wise so that way they can work better together. So just having your ear in all these different places and sort of multitasking all these different um, activities the company is working on, you can help save time. You can help prevent or try to prevent, you know, risk simply by just having, let's say, more information about what the current lay of the land is. Definitely, definitely. But it's not just on the operations team to do all this stuff. It is a two-way street. So let, let's break down these lessons that the CMOs need to know. Let's start with number one. So, Joe, what's the first lesson that CMOs need to know about working effectively with their ops experts? You know, I would go with, um, you know, operations is is here to enable your team to be more successful and to align with all of our mutual stakeholders. We're not we're not here to prevent or to deny. We're here to sort of streamline and provide. So including us uh, is here to help. How can we help you connect with others? How can we help you get, you know, budgets through faster, help you get more out of your data? Uh, we, we're here to provide a, a benefit and we're like a free service almost, right? You know, you you buy a service, they say, here are these 10 things. Let's say you don't never sign up for them. We're here, use us, you know, we're here to work together. So it, it, it's almost like a mindset mindset shift there. It's not necessarily about different processes. It's really just thinking about operations as as a positive part of the the, the process rather than being a blocker. It, it is, and some companies might um, specifically insert those teams in the conversation. You know, hey, you know, CMO, COO, you know, finance, CS, you know, you must work together. Others might just leave it vague and assume it's up to you. And I think that at that level, when we're in that kind of responsibility. It's up to each leader to know who to reach out to. You don't need permission. You don't need to have a a request. You just partner together and get things done. And that kind of mindset shift at a senior level, it's gonna it's gonna trickle down through the rest of the teams as well. Like obviously, if if a CMO is very resistant to operations, they're not going to encourage better working relations through the rest of their team. But whereas that mindset mindset set shift can happen, it should happen throughout the rest of the their department as well. I, I firmly agree. I mean, there's always certain cases where maybe some information cannot be, you know, disseminated throughout all the individuals, but in general, run the business type activities. My feeling has always been that the more people who understand the reason you're doing something or where you're trying to get, that emotional buy-in pays in multiples, even above just getting the work done because they mentally are aware of why you want to do something and then they're excited to do it. And if you get someone excited about doing something, that's way better than them just being good at their job. Definitely, definitely, for sure. I mean, that's when people are excited about it, it's when they start going above and beyond. It's when they start bringing new ideas to the table and start really like, yeah, bringing some joy to things, I think. And that that is a big part of creativity and being comfortable in the workplace is that kind of enjoying what you do and bringing new things to the table. Um, so what is sort of a practical way to really move that mindset in the right direction? Is it about like, 
workshops, like interdepartmental workshops, that kind of thing? Or is there other steps that can take to really ensure this? You know, I think it'll be sort of a, a two-step approach. You know, one, um, an operations team at a certain level of maturity might have a series of processes that are well-defined where there are plugins uh, to marketing uh, bi-directionally. And continuing to follow those processes allows us to make you aware of, hey, when, when should you include us? When should you have that conversation? The other part is just knowing when you need help, when you want to reach out, when you want to have a chat, um, not to be fearful of, you know, initiating that dialogue. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so lesson one, that's done. What is lesson two? Lesson two, I mean, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this is going to say this is, you know, pretty uh, beaten up by now, but uh, data is still king. Um, data is a lifeblood of decision-making, and this is coming from a hardcore uh, Salesforce person, so uh, it might just kind of come with a label. But, uh, you know, even going back to technology, garbage in, garbage out. If your system is full of garbage data, what do you expect your report to look like? What do you want your dashboards and your intelligence to look like? So from the very beginning, you know, almost instituting a, a religious concept around your data and the quality and the control of it, I think is really key. So being able to know that there is a uniform understanding of what data means in your organization, how it's reported on, how it translates, you know, throughout the different uh, stakeholders and different departments um, really will allow that company to be able to to answer questions and move forward in a better manner because they actually are maintaining the state of their business in a manner that allows us to actually predict and make future decisions. Definitely, definitely. And we're working closely with an operations personnel as a as a marketer. It will give you that sort of holistic view of not just where the marketing department's data is going and how it's like how clean it is, but also holistic view over the entire company, being able to see how it intersects and integrates with everything else that's going on. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there is a tremendous amount, well, put it this way, everything, everything you do these days is data, right? You know, you buy something for a campaign, you create an event, you do some ads, you create a billboard, whatever it happens to be, there's some data resulting from that. What are you doing with that data? Are you capturing it correctly? Are you siphoning it into the right systems? You know, are you, are you doing it in a manner that allows us to understand, should we do it again? Should we not do it again? Was this great? Was this not great? Um, you know, should you buy t-shirts or should you buy pens? All those things could be analyzed. If maintained in a proper fashion yes yes of course and um that first party data capture and analysis and use is going to be incredibly important for marketing departments moving forward in this this cookie-less world well so what what kind of role does operations play in terms of like government compliance when it comes to data usage is that something that's in your remit uh, for us, yes, you know, we do have a number of compliance um, you know, acronyms that we comply with. And certainly every decision that flows through my team's desk has that question in mind. How is this going to um, be positive or negative towards those other requirements? So that, that is certainly a concern. I think certainly as you look at, you know, privacy laws that are coming out that are changing uh, other, you know, international concerns, uh, we have a, a world of lift in front of us uh, to sort of analyze and understand. And while that might be challenging, it would be less challenging if you, at the moment, understand what you're doing today. You know, if you understand where you're starting from, what you have, what you can and cannot do, how your data is being disseminated, what kind of PII you're maintaining in those conversations, at least you know what to change from, right? It's, it's much better than knowing you have things, you know, air quotes, but not knowing what to change versus knowing exactly what things you have. And then what is a delta of effort needed 
to support whatever new laws come out and um, how to maintain, you know, your credibility in that, especially as most companies are international these days, right? You don't have just the laws of your country, you have international laws. So the complexity kind of multiplies. Definitely, definitely. And with those upcoming laws as well, it means you can start putting contingency plans in place. You could even start the process now of making the switch over to comply with those regulations that might be coming out rather than it just getting to the point where, oh, suddenly everything we're doing is illegal and we've got to change everything. You can actually start the process now. And that, again, would be would be a process that requires you to have a very good working relationship with an operations person as a, as a CMO. Absolutely. If you think about it, you know, it's from one step forward of being a little bit more ahead of the ball, so to speak, you know, if, if you knew you were a very global company, you knew you were going to be in a very litigious and, and compliant laden environment, perhaps you as a company create your policy. What do you want to do with your customer data? What kind of expectations do you have? And as you're having these events and other outreaches, especially internationally, maybe you have a rider on your agreements that kind of shares the lay of the world or your expectations to simplify for, for your team and other teams, how things move forward. So staying ahead of that ball and understanding sort of the expectations your team has, your company has, uh, and integrating that with your marketing efforts can really just save a ton of time. Definitely. And then tangentially related to that as well, in talking of building up internal processes before the regulations actually come into play, uh, stuff to do with AI, I imagine as well, like a lot of different companies are looking at their internal sort of regulations and corporate guidelines um, because they know that regulations are coming. We don't know what regulation is, but by having some kind of structure to how you're approaching these emerging technologies means it's going to be easier when those regulations do appear to be able to shift yourself into compliance. And not only just the regulations, you know, we talk about, you know, why should you include operations? Why should you have the conversation? You know, look at even some of the tools, let's say even say a, a chatbot on your website. You know, the news articles about certain chatbots getting a little bit uh, aggressively hungry in terms of what information <laughs> they find. So what, what access are you giving these tools? Where can they search? What information can they bubble up to the outside world? Uh, there's a tons of questions. So while the product might be great, and the marketing material from that product says, hey, you slap it on to your application, you're all set, you know, it's got a 30-minute install. The security ramifications of how do you configure that, how do you control it, how do you maintain it, um, does take more time. And that is unfortunately what business is these days, you know, ensuring that what you do is, is correct and above board. And that's where different teams collaborating can really help to minimize that pain, not necessarily from reducing the time it takes to perform the action, but more so for mentally knowing the effort needed to move something forward. So there's no gotchas at the end of the day. Definitely, definitely. And and not just in terms of collaboration, having someone in, or multiple people who have that full holistic view of all the different data centers and all the different things that a potential AI tool can track. Like a, a CMO might have good visibility over their marketing departments where their data is go, where that's going within their sort of bubble, but mm -hmm. it doesn't just stay within that bubble. Like data is shared across all these different channels. So you need someone who has that view over every single like where every single place the data can go because that data can come back in the other direction as well. Yes. And absolutely. I like to point out too, it's you know certainly not to say that uh, one team or another team is is not fully completing their their mandate, right? It's not, we're not, there's no pointing fingers, there's no, hey, you're not doing enough. It's that we understand that's not part of your daily work. That's not part of your responsibility. So the part of operations responsibility is to do those middle pieces and to have that worry and concern. So it's it's not a, a sign of failure or a sign of a lack of collaboration. It's more so a where that missing function to work with you, to do those other odds and ends, to ask those weird questions, to go through things a little bit deeper, to ask six times about something to make sure you get the right answer. Um, it's just about working together. Definitely. So that is lesson, th lesson two, was that? Yes, that was lesson two. Yes, yes. so yes. Lesson, th lesson three we're on to now.
We are. And, uh, you know, I do apologize. I think some of these lessons might be merging together as it's all about collaboration. But uh, you know, as, as we keep saying, you know, operations has ears in, in many places. So similar to that example of, of a chatbot, you know, we might be listening to product and engineering and seeing some of their stuff. We're listening to you, you know, buying a chatbot for your website and we're putting those pieces together. We're understanding what the world might be, what could be opened up by your particular actions. So using us helps you to be more informed and allow your projects to, to go forward with less of a hiccup. So for example, using, you know, some examples I've seen, you know, in my past, uh, a CMO could have a wonderful idea. They want to do this new thing, right? Maybe it's a new campaign or website or tool or integration, whatever it is. And it goes forward and everyone's very happy that they have this product. At the end of the day, an operations team might get wind of this thing existing in their life, and then the questions come out. So that's a that's a pause, it's a stop, it's a concern, it's a worry. Uh, so those things can all be prevented, right? The, the, you know, the operation could have still went forward in, in a better fashion, could have completed on time if people were involved and if those conversations took place. So it's, um, sorry, Joe, I'm just going to take a pause for a second and gather my thoughts a little bit. Um, sure. So as well as helping different teams working together, it's also going to help CMOs be able to navigate the C-suite more effectively. Having this awareness of different departments, different struggles they might be facing, different the projects they have going on. If you come to a meeting with another stakeholder, say you're meeting with your CRO and you know their problems before they even start bringing them out, like that's just going to help you build a better connection with that person. Even if you're not able to find a solution to that problem there and then. Uh, hopefully you'll work with your operations department to find that solution. But having that awareness of the issues as well is just going to help build that relationship more within the C-suite. Absolutely. And I actually really love that you have brought that point up. You know, I feel that an operation team, you know, tends to modulate their language relative to the department they're talking to. So maybe you have a more technical department or a less technical department or more numerically based department. We understand what needs to happen for the business from risk mitigation and from a growth and from a, you know, operational point of view, uh, our ability to move the conversation uh, at the level of the other person you're talking to, I think is the really differentiating factor. Understanding what makes your team sing. You know, if you're a sales team, you're selling. If you're a marketing team, you're trying to get the word out there in the branding. You know, translating the conversations to be relevant to those teams really helps to bring everyone into the conversation. Even though you're having different conversations, you're all working towards that same result. But bringing them in and making them feel at home and making that trust kind of grow, I think that's sort of another, you know, secret piece to sort of enable those business relationships to grow stronger definitely and not, and not just in terms of challenges as well i feel like i focus too much on the negative here but also sharing the wins between different departments if another department's got something in the pipeline that's going to benefit others then operations can be a big part in sharing that information making sure that that benefit is used effectively yeah absolutely i mean on the people side and i repeat this you know i think quite often i think wins should be repeated more than once you should almost stutter when you say them so you know if someone on your team or teams interdepartmentally did something great it's not wrong to bring that up a few times so let people know that you recognize it that you reward it that you appreciate it i think we often have this go 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 mentality where we want to get things completed we don't often stop and say that's amazing that took you seven months to work together there was 50 people involved that's a really good effort um and that was one effort out of 20 you did in parallel we should we should say thank you about that i think that's really important Definitely. And I think that's even more important in this sort of new way of working, like world of hybrid or remote working stuff where you're not all in the same office together all the time. You're not able to see people actually just get up and say, oh, yeah, we did this kind of thing. Like you need those kinds of 
open lines of communication. And again, that person who has that overview of everything that's going on to be able to see like, this is where these things are happening. This is how it's going to impact the rest of the business. Yeah, virtual high fives in Zoom when they go so far. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Virtual high fives, virtual cheers. They only go so far. But yeah, like, yeah, there needs to be some kind of someone moving the needle really on terms of like making sure that the rest of the company is aware of what's going well. And especially considering how difficult business is these days, how rapidly things can change. It's nice to have someone keeping us focused on the direction we need to be heading, what is getting us there, what is helping us move the needle in the right direction. Even think about small wins. This is, um, I'm not shouting out a tool per se, but it just kind of goes to that emotional happiness of doing something. If you're if you're an Asana user for arguments, like right, and you complete a task, you get the little rainbow or the unicorn. Like, yeah, it's childish, but does it make you laugh? You just smiled when I said it because you knew what I was talking about. People just get happy. I had someone the other day want to take a screenshot of the unicorn course on the screen. I mean, those little things breaks up the monotony of your day, right? We're all staring at these laptops. Um, let's make it a little fun. Definitely, definitely. So, lesson three. What's next? Lesson four. I think that's next in the numbers, isn't it? One, two, three, four. Yeah. Yeah. So I think so. We, we, we just keep chatting. We might have forgot the counting part. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, change, you know, we talk about data communication, you know, change is naturally a part of business and change is not necessarily bad per se. Right. But, but change without reasoning becomes a complexity and that, you know, becomes more of a complexity if not all the right people are in the right room. So let's say you decide, you know what, the market is different. My customer base has changed. I want to, I want to change the way I record these metrics. Let's modify, you know, MQLs and other statuses and cells, which let's kind of shake it up a little bit. While that might be correct for your situation, the question is, how does that affect the end result? That change could affect commissions, which is not directly related to your team. Now sales is confused. Um, that could affect how finance is looking at the growth of the business. Now sale finance, you know, has, has an issue and a concern. So we have to look at those changes and understand how does that have ramifications across the other teams? You know, it's, it's not a, a me society, it's an us society. So, you know, while that change might be necessary, we might need to take a moment and a pause to understand has a trickle throughout the organization. What are those other changes that need to occur to make that change actually be positive for us? Uh, and for me, more importantly, just historically speaking, you know, how does that change affect the data? If we do something that makes the existing data set not reportable, we need to make sure we've all fully stacked hands, preferably in writing, uh, that it's okay to do that. Because those reports, those dashboards, those board presentations are going to have giant asterisks until that 12 months of data is now in the same line. Definitely. And, and I think it's also worth pointing out um, when those changes need to happen as well. If it's a big systematic change that could disrupt services or disrupt a process for a while, you need to make sure that that change is happening when it's the most optimal, when it's least likely to disrupt something that's going on in other departments even. Uh, like So, for example, if you've got, say, a big product rollout coming to, coming soon, lots of dev time needed on a product, you need to make sure that any changes that you're making to marketing processes aren't going to disrupt the data flow that they have already. Absolutely. I think it's it's very important. Definitely, definitely. Um, So when it comes to sort of getting an idea of how to work through these kinds of changing processes like is it about having like a set playbook that you have ready to go with the with the operation teams or is it more working with them on sort of like a case-by-case basis I think we'd all love to turn around and say, hey, well, we have a playbook for everything. We are so organized that you can just go to like appendix 2.2.10. Um, I, I doubt we all have a playbook for everything. I'd love to have more playbooks, but you know, 
time and business do take that away from us, right? Uh, sometimes it does come down to that communication aspect. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's certain things that have a scripted approach. Let's say maybe it's procurement or event management or modifications to your CRM or any kind of your outreach systems. That those, those things probably have a very scripted pattern. Um, some of the other things might be more of a conversation and let's see where we go. Uh, for me, uh, operationally speaking, we're all you know, big list people. If we see us doing something twice, then we're probably going to sit and say, should we figure out a way to do that repetitive next time? Should we automate that process? Should we document it? I think you know the teams having a central knowledge base or repository to facilitate those things over and over again is great. You know, we want to build uh, and inculcate that knowledge within the organization. We don't want to have those tribal understandings of how things work, as that creates other kind of people issues down the line. So I think it's about you know um, documenting and repeating uh, what's done often, and then working through the other cases in in, in a professional fashion. Uh, documenting, I think, is incredibly important because if you're changing standard operate, operating practices, you need to make sure you've updated those rules. You need to make sure it's available because the people who are part of that change, they might know what's changing and stuff. But if that documentation has been up, up, updated, if you've got any new starters coming in, they're not going to be able to be onboarded properly. They're not going to be able to know what these processes are because they're working from outdated information. Yeah, that onboarding aspect, especially in a remote world, is is incredibly challenging. I, mean, I remember the days where you had a whiteboard surrounding you in all four sides of the room, and you can just draw and share it to your heart's content. You know, nowadays someone comes, they're sitting at home somewhere, they're having a conversation. How, how do you empower them to be successful out of the gate? How do you, you know, you say you want them to be part of your team, you say you want them to be productive very quickly. If you don't provide them the tools and the resources to do that. It's a hard ask. So it takes them longer. So instead of being on board within 30 or 60 days, maybe it's taking them 90 days to be fully functional. At that point, you have, you know, maybe your own performance for the year is being degraded. You don't, you're not able to reach, you know, your own goals. So it's it's beneficial for everybody to to document things that are repetitive. Definitely, definitely. And and that includes sort of like role changes and stuff like that, like people moving between different departments and stuff. Like these changes might be something that becomes standard practice, but they are big changes for that individual's life and part of operations duty is to make sure that they are equipped and ready to fulfill that new role that they're moving into. That's very true. I mean, I, you know, I think you've kind of seen me use the word uh, collaborate and communicate probably way too many times already, mm-hmm. but I just think it's, it's that important. So, you know, when you're in a remote environment and you have, you know, a few hundred people, let's say one critical person decides to exit for some particular reason. You know, if you don't share that information, there's actually an emotional hurt your employees feel by the fact of not being aware. You know, they find out three weeks later, where's Nancy? Nancy's not here anymore. Why was I not told? Why was I not important enough to know the information? I, I talk with Nancy every quarter. Now, who do I talk to? Um, it's where it kind of comes into that that sharing and assuring all the parties have the information needed. Yeah, definitely. Like when you're CCing these, you have like a standard list of people have to be CC'd into certain messages and stuff like that. And then you find out that that message might have just been disappearing into a black hole because you haven't been kept up to date. And that's incredibly important. And in going back to what we talk about the remote working environment, if you don't see a person sitting across you from the desk every day, there could be all kinds of reasons why they're not on Slack anymore or they're not responding to email, like beyond just, oh, they've left the company. So they need to be kept updated. Well, I see even going more technically, you know, marketing, you know, is, is a one group who would probably use a lot of, let's say, aliases in your communication system because they want to get out to a number of people. You know, what if those things are forgotten? They're not involved. You didn't include the right teams to be aware of it. Now you're sending these leads somewhere. No one's looking at them. Now, how big of a waste of money is that? So just ensuring that all those things are documented, collaborated, communicated, and, and changes are recorded, really key to getting the value out of everything you're spending your money on. Definitely. I mean, the- 
tech's expensive at the end of the day so you want to make sure that you've got access to it as well so i can just imagine keeping track of all the logins and passwords and stuff as well like making sure that the emails are assigned to the right people and stuff like it, it, yeah keeping track of all that and keeping track of the changes when they do happen because one change in the login detail can change a lot of stuff across a lot of things in a in a tech stack Oh yes, that's, that's a whole nother series of podcasts right there. <laughs> yeah, do, uh, that series of podcasts do not change your password without telling us. Like that's <laughs> the main one. Um, awesome. So I, I think we're we're down to number five, aren't we? There've been some good lessons so far, Joe. So let's let's go out with a big one at the end, shall we? We shall. And I think um, I think we want to talk about this one. Number five is we'll talk about tools and we'll talk about you know integrations and it kind of goes into the larger understanding of of your tech stack here so marketing i think there's some organization that creates a a marketing tech stack every year and there's just a tremendous number of icons and logos on on that stack Um, when you bring a tool into the organization we need to see how that tool marries with the other tools so it might solve a a very great need you know for your marketing team but what will that do to the data? Will that be at conflict with your Salesforce data? Will that be a conflict with other, you know, lead, lead gen data, your BDRs and SDRs are working on? How will we look at the data holistically from beginning uh, to the end? So I, I think those those tool decisions that are that are looked at from a, a CMO perspective um, do need to have a little bit more of that RevOps integration to ensure that that tool can have a long life in the company, right? No one wants to spend, let's say, 60, 80K on a tool, have professional services, you know, roll it out, and then next year decide to cancel it and non-renew. It doesn't have, doesn't make anybody happy. So how do we ensure that those tools are going to meet the business's need today and at least for the next two or three years and that that data can be part of that entire conversation? Yeah, I, I'm just thinking back to sort of like my own career and the number of times I've been asked just, oh, can you just have a look at this tool for me? Can you see how it plays out? And then we, if, it, if you think it works, we can bring it into the tech stack and stuff like that. Thinking about it in terms of that holistic way, in that terms of integration, that seems like a really crazy way to go about testing and trialing tools. Like surely an operations person needs to be involved in not necessarily like how to use the tool, but also like sitting down, having a look at the back end, having a think about how it might integrate before you even make the purchase for the uh, the tool for the tech stack. Especially as you bring back, you know, privacy laws, compliance, international issues. When I look at a tool, I got a list that's incredibly long and I unfortunately need to go through with it. So, you know, how are backups done? What happens if the tool goes down? How's your data looking? What if there's a, a malicious change done by an employee who wasn't too happy? Can I go back and get that old data? What if someone came into Salesforce and started to mess up all your leads and your opportunities? Can I go back to yesterday's data and pull it back and make that change? Um, how's the privacy? Where, where's the data stored? Is it okay? Is it in the right country? Is it encrypted? Do you have sharing rules? Um, you know, what kind of compliance is, is that product underneath a SOC 2 type 2 company? Uh, does it have to be in a FedRAMP world or ISO? Um, so this, this is a litany of things that we want to look through to ensure that that tool can have a happy life. And that when we come up with an audit, you know, next, uh, next, uh, quarter or something that that tool can maintain as part of our group. Meanwhile, I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, I'll be able to schedule social media posts really easily with this. But yeah, that again shows that that mindset, that ability to think holistically about how things fit together. Absolutely. And again, we know we don't want to be the blocker department. We want you to be able to do that easier. We want your life to be easier, but we also want you to use it for a long time, right? We don't want to have to you know, give you the candy and then take it away. No one likes that. Definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, I, I want my candy now. I want my easy to schedule social posts. I want them now. Yes. Um, so in terms of working on that kind of process, does that mean there needs to be some kind of like, yeah, systematic, systematic approach to 
testing and trying out different tools. Like, does an operations person need to be involved in every single tech stack sort of inquiry decision, um, like calls with custom success, that kind of thing? You know, I, I, of course, we'd love uh, to have operations have that. I also don't want to be greedy. So, you know, if it's operations or some other team, I'm totally cool with that. Uh, but we need to have some centralized process that when you are procuring a new tool or service, that it goes through these series of steps. And those steps probably should be documented. I know in our company, we have a documented step. We know exactly what happens, who you pull in, you know, all the different teams. Some comp- Some department needs to own that and ensure that all those steps are done before you get to certain elements of the conversation to be sure you can proceed. So let's say you skip that, you start having conversations with the vendor, you come down to a price and you realize that you're missing those other things, right? How much time did you waste? How much credibility in the conversation did you waste? So following those steps, you know, doing them in a certain order really helps both the, the company be happier in acquiring that tool and getting the right tool also helps the relationship between that company and that vendor because you want to have positive vendor relations, right? No one's out to have any kind of hurtful things here. So letting all parties know that, look, I have a process. I know you want to sign by end of quarter. I can't do it. I want to do it. I got these 20 things I need to do first. So we have to kind of step through this and kind of make everyone happy in the process. Yeah, because it means you're not going to be pulling the rug out from under the the vendor uh, at the last minute. Um, Yeah, if anything, they should be happy that you've got this list of questions ready to go because that is the kind of stuff that, they might have to cover later on in onboarding or something. Whereas mm-hmm. like, if you're able to take that out right at the beginning, then you've set yourself up really nicely for a more fruitful conversation on the tool's actual capabilities, the thing that you're actually there to have a conversation with the vendor about. I fully agree. I mean, playing tricks and, you know, kind of dates kind of things, it better be upfront. Look, we have a process, you know, yes, you might be a startup or yes, you might be this size company, whatever it is, but we have a series of things we need to go through. It's two days before the end of the quarter. I can't do them in two days, but I want to do them in two days. So let's, let's work together. How do we do this? I need these documentations. I need these things. Can you send us this feedback, these use cases, these examples, these videos, uh, try to meet me in the middle somewhere. Definitely. Definitely. So Joe, five great lessons there, but I'm actually going to ask you for, for one last thing. Let's see if we can pull together, maybe like one key takeaway that you want CMOs to really take away from this conversation. Like what is the big overarching lesson that's go like let's maybe say maybe like the title for the course that these five lessons sit under then if they're what what needs to be the big takeaway from this discussion you know i'm gonna have to probably go back uh to collaboration i think you know the same way that a marketing team wants clients to be attracted to the company I want marketing teams to be attracted to collaboration, to be attracted to to teamwork. And this is not to say that they're not in in no particular fashion whatsoever, Uh, but as a focus of the conversation is on ways to uh, prevent risk and to enable more unification, you know, throughout a company. I think focusing on, you know, yes, you have a team and you have a certain title, but we're all part of that mission and we're all collaborating together for that mission. That's sort of that key. You know, the same way you look at certain, you know, you have, you know, sales organizations, revenue, marketing operations, and the definitions are blurring between them. I think they're blurring because people are trying to collaborate more. Um, so that's that's okay, you know, kind of lean into it. Definitely. And as I said at the top of the show, like I think of marketing is a very cross-functional department. It works with all these different departments. Would it be nice to have someone to collaborate in that collaboration? Like, isn't wouldn't it be nice to have a, a partner to assist with aiding with that different collaboration between the different departments? And that's what operations does from my perspective. Absolutely. I mean, I look at it, you know, every time, especially when your company is younger and people are joining, every person that joins and every function that gets, you know, a, a set of leaders within it 
it's a breath of fresh air for the other functions. Hey, we get to work together. We get to collaborate. I want the ideas within your head. I want to be able to, to do something better with it. I think if we look at it more from that, that personal and relationship level about what we're going to accomplish together, and less so about the function, so to speak, I think that sort of self-enables that uh, prophecy to be uh, come to funeral fruition. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes a hundred percent sense. Thank you, Joe. I, I, that's a really good message to end on there, uh, both in terms of working with operations, but also just how businesses and people within businesses need to function. I think that's a really nice way of looking at it. So thank you very much, Joe. I really enjoyed today's conversation. No problem. It was a pleasure being here, Will, and thank you very much for your time. And I hope people find this information useful. Well, I'm, I'm sure they have. I want to thank our, um, our audience as well for listening. Um, as I said, Collaboration is absolutely essential to your role as a CMO and working well with your operations expert is going to be a big, big boost to that. So I hope you found this conversation as interesting as I have. We'll be back soon with some more CMO combos. Like what you heard in this CMO combo? Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was.